Hello and welcome back to the True Crime Guys podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. You guys ready for a spooky-ass episode during Halloween season? Dude, this is a great pick for Halloween. It this is. is a great pick. You know, it, it creeped me out. Not so much the person, the perpetrator in this. It, I don't find him all that intimidating or scary, but what he was doing, like, if, before you know, like, what he was doing to the, the people, his victims in this. Right. Like, just, like, it, it, <laughs> he was basically making them believe that uh, they their house was haunted and whatnot. I don't want to give away too much, but, right. like, I, I just put my shell, myself in those girls' shoes, and I was freaked out thinking about what they were dealing with, you know. It, it is crazy. And what what's so crazy about this story, too, is that it's so creepy that if somebody made it up, you'd be like, Really? I would feel like you're trying too hard yeah. or you're being too stereotypical. But the fact that this story is real, you know, it kind of gives basis to a lot of those stupid movies that we watch. <laughs> or maybe it's vice versa, right? Maybe maybe this character kind of took stuff from movies that he saw or just scary. I could see that. He was know. a loner yeah. type that like yeah. lived in his he own fantasy horror. world. Right. He enjoyed that category and wanted to kind of bring it to life. But I think uh, just the sinister aspect of this, the way that he went about, I'm trying not to give too much away, right? Yeah, yeah. But the sinister aspect and the way he went about it just made me feel like, like we talked about this before, that he was going to escalate into something much, much more dangerous. Oh, he was a, he was a textbook was escalation only- criminal. Like it started out yes. like peeping and then breaking into places. And the next thing you know, right. there, of course, there's murder that ends up occurring. And it was just a clear, it- quick escalation. And I think he would have gone on to become a Night Stalker type, like Richard Ramirez, where he was going to be on a... yes. Non, almost a daily basis, he was going to be breaking into homes and and potentially killing people if they didn't stop him. He was not turning. And back. you talk about, and you talk about a terrifying story, Richard Ramirez. If, yeah. if you guys don't know the details, I know you've heard of him. I know if you've heard of true crime, you've probably heard of Richard Ramirez. But if you do not know the details, check out our two parter on Richard Ramirez. That was one of our earliest I mean, episodes. About, dude, I mean that was one of those episodes where I remember. I had trouble sleeping. Yeah. I had trouble sleeping through the night just because of the way that he got into houses, the way that how how silently he moved, how how quickly and how easily he was able to get into properties and in people's bedrooms. It just scared the he shit out. He was the boogeyman, dude, legitimately. Yes. He was the boogeyman. Legitimately. Absolutely. Yeah, he was terrorizing an entire county pretty much. Yes. For a long yeah, time. he was. Yeah, so but yeah, this 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 is kind of like a Richard Ramirez uh, light or like uh, Richard Ramirez in training. This <laughs> right. kid, I think that was Richard Ramirez Jr. Yeah, he would have. <laughs> yeah, and he had the same kind of creepy look, you know. Yeah, he did, didn't he? He did. He did. He, did. he could have been like yep. Richard Ramirez's little creepy nephew. <laughs> he could have. So yeah, let's get he into it and uh, tell you this creepy ass story. All right, let's do it, man. The unspeakable crime happened in late fall of 1987 in Townsend, a town about an hour and a half northwest of Boston. I liken him to a rabid dog that needs to be put down. I do not have the words to fully express my profound sorrow, but I am truly sorry for the harm that I caused. Our task is to, uh, you know, make sure that the people of uh, Massachusetts never have to face this man on the street. All right, our case this week is a young man by the name of Daniel Laplante. Do you think it was Laplante or like Laplante? Or I don't know. How would you? Um, it's probably it I'm probably just... started out as Laplante. Yeah. Um, but every pronunciation pronunciation I heard was Laplante. So. Yeah, we'll just go with Laplante. That's a lot easier. Yeah, Laplante. Daniel Laplante. Yeah, it sounds more fitting for him. He's not fancy enough for Laplante. You know? 
Yeah, and he's it's up in Massachusetts, so we could go Daniel LaPlante. LaPlante, eh? Daniel. Yeah. Hey, Daniel LaPlante, get out of my yard. <laughs> yeah. You're stepping on my LaPlantes. <laughs> um, yeah. You LaPlante, your foot in here one more time. I'm going right. to put you through that fucking wall. Yeah, <laughs> this this Daniel LaPlante was a deeply troubled young man. Very One of the yeah. creepiest people that we've ever studied. I mean, maybe not the mo- one of the most... Dangerous, although he was working his way towards one of the more dangerous that we've ever covered, undoubtedly. Oh, he was well on his way. He was well on his way, but he got luckily got caught. He was too brazen and cocky early on, and um, he got caught, thankfully. But he definitely was troubled from from a young age, and he had a broken household and um, very troubled home. A lot of uh, a lot of abuse and violence, and created quite quite a little monster. Yes, it did. Yes, it did indeed. But he had brothers, you know, and we haven't heard anything about them. So I, I always, I always like to pull that up. You know, it's like when somebody's like, "Oh, I, you know, it's it's the household, it's the upbringing." It's like, yeah, but they had three or four siblings that grew up to have fine lives. You got to have the right cocktail, though. I think he was already destined to be uh, a strange boy, and then you know, you combine that with the broken household, and then you know, that's true. Violent stepfather and. Being abused by multiple adults, and uh, and then you get a Daniel Laplante. Right, and also children interpret things differently. You know what I mean? Like I've noticed that with my kids, I, I'll I'll give them both the same punishment, and one is motivated by it, while the other is depressed or or you know harmed by it or whatever. Like they yep. feel like they're they're being treated unfairly when the other one's like, okay, yeah, I deserve this. Okay, fine. It's just it's just funny the way that kids interpret things differently. I mean, I look at myself with I have two adult sisters, and we're completely different. Like we we disagree yeah. on like everything, everything completely different yeah. worlds, but are raised by the same yeah. people. So, um, you know, it can be there's so many variables when raising a child. I don't think a parent should take all the blame, um, and I also don't think that a person necessarily uh, should have to take all the blame. I mean, once you're an adult. You have to make your own choices, but it is kind of bizarre how often you see siblings that are so different. Like physically, they look different, and same two parents yeah. look different, act completely different. And you're just like, how does it? How did that happen? Yeah. And then you see families where like all the brothers and sisters seem almost all the same. You know. Yeah. Look similar. Their you know their personalities and behaviors are pretty similar. Right. It's I, I think it just depends on how much time they spend together in the later years. And through yeah. and through those formative years as well, I think that's why what makes uh, siblings so different from each other is at a young age they're forced to be around each other. Right? There's nobody else. Like right. you're at home, you're with these siblings, you play together, you fight together, whatever. And then as you grow up into your formative years, which would be you know, twelve, thirteen, all the way up nineteen, twenty, now you're sick of them because you know everything about them. They know everything about you. They call you on your bullshit. You're tired of being around them. You want to be around other friends that fit your vein or whatever and that's where i think people separate i think that's where siblings separate and then every time you meet you end up bringing up stuff that happened before your formative years and you're so beyond you're so beyond that you're so past that as a person that it makes it hard for you to connect because you're each holding on to this this past person that you used to be as siblings does that make sense right yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And I think your that's, influences too. Growing up, like your, a lot of times the friends are more of an influence than your siblings or your family. So exactly, if you guys got into completely different friend groups. One of you know one of the one of the, your brother got into a group of people who were a bunch of shithead criminals, yeah. and that was kind of his other family that raised him. Then yeah, you could be totally different. Exactly, exactly. Um, and also, I've always wondered genetically, like where where the parents are at um, when they conceive a child mm-hmm. like it, it's let's say you have a, a kid when you're both 18 years old and then you have your second kid when you're 25 and like everything is different about you you're, you know physically you've That's changed right. and your um everything you know your personality's changed all that like does that play into the kind of child you create where you're at mentally and physically when you have a kid does oh, that no doubt create a different type of child does your genetics change in that sense i always wondered about that your too. genetics absolutely do change the better health that you're in when your child is conceived the better start you're giving your child period period yeah. especially especially if you're the male if if yeah. if if you're the man and the healthier you are the better your, I mean, obviously, you can be as healthy as you want, and if you're, if the woman is going to be smoking and drinking during yeah, pregnancy yeah. or whatever, obviously you're fucked. But, but I'm just saying, 
from the time of conception, if the male is in good health and in better health, he gives his offspring a better chance. I mean, that's that's like scientifically proven. So somebody who's 18, especially a male at the top of their physical condition, 18 to 20 years old, you know what I'm saying? Like you're going to have, I mean, hypothetically or theoretically, the best child you could possibly have. You know what I mean? Like this is, I'm just spitting this out here. I'm not saying if you have a child but how much, at 30. Uh, let's, uh, let's say, let's say you're, you're a dumb 18 year old kid though. Yeah. Compared to, let's say you're like a really healthy, strong 25 year old dude who's, uh-huh now got degrees and he's really like pushed himself to to become you know a, a, an intelligent person do you think that that gives them an edge as far as like the offspring they have no doubt might be you know more i don't know it's, it, it sounds like bro science like well bro of course you're smarter you're gonna have a smarter kid no you know? no it's no like, I, no but, you're but, jacked the kid's gonna come out jacked son like what, what do you think no 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 that's not what i'm saying <laughs> i'm just saying like his normal his regular things are gonna be healthier you know what I'm saying? Like, as far as health, look at your boy's arms, bro. You didn't do enough curls. You didn't do enough you, curls. Look how, skinny your girl up. <laughs> look how skinny your baby is, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's why your baby's premature, bro. You didn't. You didn't go all the way. <clears throat> yeah, but but no, it's it's just it just makes sense, right? I mean, yeah. the healthier you are, the better off you're going to be. Like, I have a I have a cousin and her husband. They have been wanting to have kids forever, but they're just not happy with themselves physically. And, and where they're at as far as their eating habits and their health. And I think it's smart to wait, if you can. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think it's smart for them. And they're both, like, working very hard. They're changed their diet. Um, they're working out constantly. They're staying busy. They're moving up in their careers. And now they're ready. You know, they're, yeah. they want to put their best foot forward when having a child, which, I mean, if you, have, if you know that information and you don't, I feel like it's, it's your fault. You know what I'm saying? But if you don't know, you don't know. You have a kid, you do your best. That's what most of us parents do. That's what I did. Right, right. I didn't plan my yeah. kids. I just had my kids. Right. I love them. They've always been here is what it seems like to me, and I do my best. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. There's, and like we said, really went off. We really went off on a yeah. different road here. We took a turn. We did. But a, but a decent conversation. you think we should put this in just the banter or save this? No, no. This is relevant. This is relevant to raising children. And and this is okay. you know there's not a whole lot to this case anyway so we want to we want to fill it a lo- fill it out a little bit yeah you know so to get back on track Daniel Laplant was born May sixteenth nineteen seventy he was raised in Townsend Massachusetts mm-hmm. um, and he, he shares a birthday this is a hell of a group it, it made up for last week remember last week I was like there was nothing oh like, yeah 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 I was like there's nobody I even want to shout out nobody. who's born on that day <laughs> right. Um, now, this one, I had to nitpick down because there were so oh. many good ones. May 16th, he shares a birthday with Megan Fox, Danny Trejo, and H.H. H. Holmes. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. H.H. H. Holmes was like, that was a little bit creepy because it's like, I could see some H.H. H. Holmes and Daniel LaPlante with the yeah. the creeping and sneaking in people's walls and watching them and stuff. H.H. H. Holmes was into that sort of thing. That's right. And wasn't H, didn't H.H. H. Holmes say he was born uh, with the devil inside him or something like that? It's been so long since we did that He's, one, and that man, that that was one of my favorite episodes to record. I think that yes. one turned out really good. We that was a fun. Episode. Really went deep with the research on that one. If you guys haven't heard it, check it. I think it's on Patreon only, right? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, that one, man. We got the book. Uh, what was it something in the light and devil in the light or something? Yeah, devil yeah. in the city of light or something. Yes, I remember that. I remember the book now because it gave yeah, such background on the time. Um, of H.H. Yeah. H. Holmes. Oh, yeah. 1800s. Fantastic. And the World Fair and all that. Yes. I was I was just as fascinated with the time period and the history that I learned in that book as I was learning about H.H. H. Holmes. It's just well-written. Yeah. Very well-written. Yeah, but man, they, they seem like two peas in a pod, Daniel LaPlante and H.H. H. 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 Holmes, the more I think about it. I feel like Daniel LaPlante, his... He would love to build a home like H.H. H. Holmes did, where you you know you had all these secret passages and things like that. He was, ah, uh, yeah. He in that sense, Daniel. Daniel was a d- d- depraved young boy that wanted. He was a voyeur, like he did really. He was like a shut in and like lonely. Didn't have friends and like he wanted to watch other people's lives. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did, but he wasn't as smart as H.H. H. Holmes, though. Oh, I well, I mean, he was still young. I mean, you, you never know. Yeah, that's true. But, but I mean, he, it just seemed like he wasn't in school enough to even get an yeah, get a decent true. education. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was a problem child from from when he was able to be a problem child from what it sounded like. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's get into that. So, he had two brothers, Stephen and Matthew, and was raised by his mother and stepfather. 
Their home was overrun with stray animals and junk. People tended to avoid the family. So they, were, they were that family. Okay. If you think in your neighborhood or growing up, the neighbor that 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 house that was just gross and like the family didn't seem to clean themselves and they had weird kids and stuff. That was Daniel Laplante was the weird kid. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, you know, you know. Um, multiple sources claim that Daniel suffered an extremely traumatic childhood filled with sexual and psychological abuse by numerous adults, including his father and a mental health professional. So he gets either seeks treatment or he's put in treatment for his issues, and then that professional sexually assaults him, allegedly. Great. Dude, I, so I, I I got a hunch that, that that happens way more often than we think. Right. I hope not, man. I hope not. I got a bad but, feeling yeah, it I mean, does. I'm, we've heard of it happening before in this show, so that tells you that it's it's got to be somewhat common if we've already covered it multiple times, That's that right. scenario. That's right. Yeah. So this may be why Danny became one of the town's notorious troublemakers from a young age. One neighbor telling a reporter that, quote, when you saw Danny, you watched him. He earned his reputation. He was a troublemaker from day one. So... I get the feeling that he was, you know, always sneaking around and people would catch him in their yards and things like that, stealing things or watching them through their windows. And Yeah, he li- he liked to scare people. He liked to try to do that. A lot of his pranks and things like that were, were to strike fear in people. And That's make, such a make common serial uneasy. killer thing, too. Yes, yes. Yeah, because when you can, when you can sh- strike fear into people, you can control them. Mm-hmm. And I think that that type of control is intoxicating to these types of people. You have that moment, your moment of power where you, yeah, like they're they have ultimate fear of you. Yeah, exactly. Um, as a teen, Daniel began breaking into people's homes. He would sometimes steal things, but often he would just move items around. So mm-hmm. you'd come home and you'd just like, what is going? Something's not right. Like shit has moved around. Right. I didn't do this. Someone's been in here, and he just got off on that. Like that's another power thing. It's like yep. Yep, and he would move big things too, like furniture and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like it's not like he was just like you know moving someone's wallet or something. Like he would move furniture. He like move your living room around or something, and then dip out. Like it was unmistakable that someone was in your house. It's almost worse than being robbed because at least you know the motive behind being robbed. (laughs) You're like, well, they wanted my shit. They're not coming back. They wanted my shit. They got my shit. Now they're gone. Exactly. Whereas like what the fuck is this? Like, why is my stuff moved around? They didn't take anything. Are they here now? When are they coming back? Like, it's got to be a very helpless feeling. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, yeah. you know, you know, you've had your home broken into before. Imagine, imagine that, yeah. but imagine if you had no idea what their intentions were. That would drive exactly. you insane. You would just lie awake every yep. day and be like, how did they get in here? Like, are where, they in here now? Where are That's they what now? Thinking too. Yeah. Why yep. are they moving stuff around? Why are they fucking with me? Is this like a personal vendetta? Mm-hmm. What is going on? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that was actually one of the the scary. Like, I I don't know the the horror movie, The Strangers. I don't know if you've seen that, but that was one of the worst parts of that was that they were messing with the people in the cabin. Like they'd be moved. Like the, all of a sudden, the phone would be missing from the charger. You know, like right. things like that. The window would be open. You're like, what the hell? Like, are they in? Where are they? They're in here now, or they're screwing with me? Yep, exactly. So, and from here, um, this the second part of this story begins like, much like a horror movie with an unexpected phone call to a family home, the Andrews family. Um, so this is in uh, Daniel LaPlante's hometown in Townsend, Massachusetts. This young girl named Annie has no idea that he exists. Mm-hmm. However, um, she receives a phone call, and you know she's she's home with her sister at the time because her dad's always working. We'll get into that in a minute. Okay. So in 1986, when Daniel was 16 years old, he called the Andrews home. 15-year-old Annie Andrews answered the phone. Um, this is who Daniel was trying to reach. He knew that she would be the one to answer the phone, being the oldest um, child in the home, right. and the father not being there, and the mother, as we'll get into, was not no longer around. So Annie lived with her father. Um, her father's name was Brian, and her younger sister, Jessica, Annie's mother had recently passed away after a long battle with cancer. Her father was now a widower and worked a lot to try and provide for his daughter. So he was not at home as much as he'd like to be, but he had to provide for, you know, provide for them now without dual income. Exactly. Um, and he was also trying to grieve and deal with the loss of his wife and also trying to help his daughters get through this tough time. So it was a rough time for the family. Oh, absolutely. And this is when yeah, and this is when Daniel Plant decides to called this home and began tormenting them, um, the daughters. Um, upon uh, Annie answering the phone, 
Daniel told Annie that he was a teen from a neighboring school and that he tracked her down because she was attractive. Creepy. Now you have to keep in mind this is before. Yeah, this is before you could you know slide into someone's DMs or <laughs> right. you know there was no internet. This is the, right. the mid '80s. Yeah. So you had to cold call. Uh, I, I guess this is a way it was done from time to time. Cold call somebody's home uh, landline. We all remember the those of us who are old enough remember the awkward moments when you'd have to call someone's house phone and their dad would answer and be like, "Is is uh, Crystal there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's this? <laughs> uh, this, oh, this? This is Lauren. Lauren. <laughs> I know her from school. What do you want with my daughter? Uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Just hang up. Yeah. Oh yeah, I do remember that That's, man. That was the worst. That was. That was the worst. Yeah, and then you knew you knew that at any moment they could pick up the phone from the other room and, and be right in the middle of your conversation too. Oh, I know, I know. There was all those little tricks where times, you could like sneakily pick up the phone and yep. try to not be not to hear the click of you uh, being on the yeah, line. Yeah, you had to you had to like pick it up so easily if you wanted to. Or if you were real clever, you you try to time it to when they pick up the phone, you pick up the phone from the, in the <laughs> other room, and then you're in on the whole conversation. Oh man, you had it down to a science. <laughs> oh shit. That's funny. Yeah. yeah, I remember those times, man. I remember when you had, like, right at the beginning of dial-up internet. You know, you're oh, trying man. to get on the internet, and somebody picks up the phone. Oh, sorry. Hey. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> oh, God. God damn it. <laughs> right. That was a 20-minute process wasted. Oh, man. So much wasted time back then. Uh, people don't <laughs> forget. They don't realize waiting, how dude. lucky they have it. You get, you get upset now if something takes a minute to download, and it's like, dude. Uh, I know. <laughs> Dude, you I knew get what it was like in dial-up days. I know I get so frustrated with my phone because it won't load within like a few seconds. Whereas, right. whereas if you gave me this phone in two thousand eight, I'd be like, "Oh my god, you're like, you got to be an alien or something from the future. This is insane." Right. That this phone is so fast, you know. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So he, so he calls the uh, the Andrews home. Annie picks up the phone. He tells her that he tracked her down because she was attractive and he was from a neighboring school. And he also, over the course of several phone calls, told her a series of lies in that he was a tall, blonde, good-looking teenager, and he was the captain of his high school football team. These were all lies. Wow. He was he was short. He had dark hair. He had acne. He was – I wouldn't say – he just looked like a teen that was going through, you know, going through puberty and whatnot. Yeah, he's just I, in that weird in-between stage. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've heard uh, different sources say, you know, he was like an ugly kid. I'm like, he just looked like a, you know, a teenage kid with acne. He didn't look, right. you know. He's yeah, but when you no know what he did, him. it's easier to view him in an ugly light. Yeah, you know of course I mean? you want to demonize him because he's a fucking demon. Right, so. exactly. <laughs> exactly. It kind of goes with comes with the territory. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, so not in her, I'm sure she was, she was flattered. She's, she's 15 at this time and getting a call from a boy who's saying that he found her attractive and talking himself up a bit. She was a little flattered and, mm -hmm. and continued to talk to him. And eventually they set up a first date. Um, she agrees to go on a, a date with Danny LaPlante. The date, however, so he comes and he picks her up and it, it didn't really go as planned though. Right away when she answered the door, she realized that she'd been being, she'd been catfished. She'd, she'd been, been catfished. being lied to. I was just about to say that. Yeah. Yeah, before anyone knew what catfishing even was. Right. So he didn't even um, bother yeah, so, to dye his hair or nothing. Like, come on, dude. No. Didn't even dye your hair blonde. Like, you're gonna go meet her the next day, and you're telling her that you have blonde hair and that you're tall. It's like maybe he wasn't expecting to get that far. Maybe he was just like, uh, she'll she'll turn me down over the phone, and then it'll give me a reason to to stalk her. Right. You know, maybe that was but it's as far as he thought it was gonna go. Mm -hmm. And maybe he got off on the power when it came to her still agreeing to go out with him. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, I can get her to do whatever I want already. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so they go out on a date. They go get some ice cream. And the whole time he's making her awkward because for whatever reason, he's obsessed with her mother's death. She tells him that her mother, I don't know if he already knew. He may have already known because he was, you know, a, a creepy stalker type. Right. And I'm sure he'd already been watching her. That's how he knew when he called that she would be the one to answer, not her father. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but anyway, nonetheless, during their, their conversation on their first date, he just can't stop talking about her mother and how did she die and did she suffer and all this stuff. And she's like, just creeped out by the fact that he's so obsessed with her mother that had recently passed away. And I'm sure she didn't really want that to be the entire night. It's like, I'm trying to, trying you know, to this date was life. maybe supposed to be something that could help her forget for a little bit about that. You know, she's exactly. probably been just nonstop thinking about her mother. Right. 
And so um, she ends up uh, ending the date kind of short. She has him take her back after only an hour. And from there on, she stopped returning his phone calls and had assumed that this would be the end of it. She was done with this weirdo. Um, Of course, that wouldn't be the end of it because Daniel wasn't going to just let things go. In the following months, um, he would turn the, uh, the Andrews family's world upside down. He would basically begin tormenting Annie and her sister. Mm-hmm. Um, Annie and Jessica's mother, the family matriarch, had died only a short time ago, leaving her and her father and her sister alone. Grief-stricken, the two girls had a seance. So they, he, they're in their home one night. Their father's at work, as usual, mm-hmm. and they decide to do a little seance to try and contact their mother and say goodbye, Right. Um, try and talk to her spirit. Um, and during the seance, they began hearing sounds. They began hearing knocks on walls, knocks on pipes within the walls. Um, and first they were entranced thinking maybe this was mom trying to talk to us, but then it just got more and more intense and it began to terrify them. Of course, um, from here on, things would go missing within the house. Furniture would be moved around. And soon the girls thought that something much more sinister than the ghost of their mother was inhabiting their home. Gosh, this uh, I is mean, such a horrible thing to do. You're taking advantage of these two girls at the most vulnerable time at first. Just imagine exactly. that. Imagine like doing this seance, and then you actually start to get a response. Right. Like you got to right. think, like, oh, my God, is that my mom? Especially at, you yep. know, 15, 13, 15 years old, however old these girls are. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's got to be, that's got to be brutal, man. Brutal to go through that range of emotions. You know, first Seriously. you're sad, and then you do this, and then now you're inspired. You're like, oh my God, maybe maybe we can contact her. And then they start getting Just to sinister. find out that no, it's a psychopath, creeper, stalker that's tormenting us. Right. That's what it really is. It's on another level my mother, of assault, but... man, of like mental assault, psychological assault. Yeah. Yep. But this is probably the kind of shit that was done to him as a kid, though, honestly. He seems like he, he probably had the type of parents that when they didn't want him to do something, they told him a horrible story that would happen if he did. I, I Possibly. can't stand yeah. that stuff, man. I'm like, why are you doing that? You're just making your kid afraid of the whole world. Right. Like, it, there's no sense in doing that. Just tell your kid the truth. Just tell him the yep. truth. Like, I don't know, man. It's, I, no, it I just agree. seems like somebody just doesn't get this, get off on these sinister these sinister practices without this stuff being done to them. I think something mm-hmm. something of this extent was probably done to him throughout his childhood. Well, like we talked about in the Greg Kelly episode with, with young children, like when you introduce certain ideas into their head, they take them and they run with them. That's right. And so like what you're saying, like uh, tell, telling them these things that could happen if they don't do this or that, like that's introducing that whole concept into their brain at a young age that they don't really necessarily need yet. You know, right. They don't know how to use it or what where to categorize it. That's right. That's right. So, so when the girls told their father at the time, so they're, they're experiencing all this stuff, all these sounds in their home, um, especially when they did the seance, that was, that was really intense for them, I'm sure. And now they're noticing all these things being moved around and whatnot. And so when they tell their father, um, at the time, he just assumed that it was a cry for attention because of all that they were going through. Um, and he blamed himself a little bit for you know, not being able to help them get through the, the grief of losing their mother. Um, but he was convinced that there was, they were, none of this was actually going on, that they were just trying to get his attention. Right. And you can see that. You can see where he's coming from. A lot of kids can, you know, kids claim to see things and hear things, monsters and whatnot. And all the time. How often does a parent actually give real clout to it? It's yeah. very rare. It, it is. But it, it just sucks because the, the fear is real, right? Yeah. The, the, their, the monster to them is real. Like my like for instance, my youngest daughter will not sleep in her room with a mirror turned around. Like she has like this full body length mirror that she likes to look in when she gets dressed, but she keeps it in her mm-hmm. closet and she'll move it in and out all the time because she will not have that damn mirror sitting in her room when she goes to sleep. It just mirrors are fucking freaky. Yes. Like in the in, in the dark. Yeah, yeah, mirrors are free. And how every horror movie they involve some kind of mirror. Like you look into it and some a monster's looking back at you yeah. or a ghost or whatever. So I could see it. Right. And I've never told her about anything like that. It's just it's just ideas that they pick up. Maybe they saw it in a movie right. or a cartoon or something. Yeah. Yeah. And she's just freaked out by it. But it's so real yeah. to her. Like she will not sleep. Like she's she screamed at me from like another part of the house to come in there and put her mirror up before because she doesn't want to get yeah, out of bed so you, in the dark you, with that you mirror. You have to 
you have to you have to show them that you you know you believe their fear is real, but then you have to try and you know also tell them that it, you know there are no such things exactly. as ghosts and monsters. Exactly. And so I, you, they got to walk that line. You want you don't want to make them feel stupid or right. like you don't believe them. That's so. right. That's right. I, I just go in there and I'm like, hey, look, I'm gonna put it in here, but nothing's in here, babe. It's just a mirror. I'll just mm-hmm. knock on it. I'm like, look, it's just plastic. The other side, it's nothing. I mean, yeah, it, nothing can come out of here, you know. But I'll still put it up, like you said. Just to show them that I respect them and just to give them peace of mind, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, so they're freaked out. Obviously, a lot of the weird stuffs going on in the home. Their mother's not around. Their father's at work, and so and now they tell their dad, and he does nothing about it because he he just thinks they're crying out for attention. Then one day, Annie and her little sister Jessica heard strange sounds coming from the basement. Terrified, they ventured downstairs. Of course, the basement, dude. The basement's already cr- fucking freaky enough. And of course, when they you're go down there. <laughs> Yeah, this is like <laughs> oh, it's like Home Alone with the uh, with the furnace down in the basement. You know, it's like that's how kids view basements yes. already. They're already yeah. creepy. Yeah, basements are creepy, man. No windows, no light, yep. hardly. Mm. Yeah. So terrified, they ventured downstairs and in, and encountered a horrible sight. Written on the wall in what looked like blood was a message simply stating, "I'm in your room. Come find me." Oh, yikes! <sighs> that's a, imagine. Nope, 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 nope. I'm out of here. Yeah, right. I'm out. Nope. And you're, Especially and, and as you're, a this kid. is not a figment of your imagination. They are both clearly seeing it. Yeah. And it's written in some sort of blood, like blood-like substance on the wall. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, the the girls didn't uh, appease whatever person or spirit was writing this on the wall. Rather than go up to the up to the room, of course, they proceeded to run screaming from the house in search of a neighbor that they could alert to uh, call their father. Um, they do so, and Brian had heard the strange sounds um, and had previously dismissed any hadn't heard the sounds and had previously dis- uh, dismissed any claims. So he did it again. He's basically saying like now they're just going further with their cries for attention. Right. Well, I mean, point. this is just a, a a typical case of not believing in ghosts. I mean, if you don't hear it, you don't see it, then you don't believe. I mean, that's just the way yeah. it is. I mean, all, everybody that believes in ghosts has had some sort of encounter. I feel like other and people... to be fair to, to to be fair to their father, it just seems like such a far it's it's such a far fetched thing that does not happen in real life. You it know, is. this is like, we're talking about it on the show because it's a rare, odd thing for a human being to do. What right. Daniel Plant was doing, and also to be fair to the father, it's not supernatural. There was nothing supernatural happening. You know what I'm right. saying? Right, exactly. So, I mean, you have that aspect of it as well. I mean, he yeah. was right, but so were they. So you're at like yeah. this and weird so- crossroads. And so when he comes when he comes home after being told by his daughters that this had happened, he does find writing in the basement on the walls in what was determined to be ketchup, mm. um, saying, "You know, I'm in the bedroom. Come find me." And uh, you know, of course, that he's thinking, "Well, they could easily do this themselves. It's ketchup." Uh-huh. And so he's still just not believing. Um, and the noises would die down for a while following this, but eventually, another message showed up on the wall again. Uh, the girls fled to the neighbor who called Brian, um, their father. This time, when the dad entered the house, it was clear that this was no cry for attention. Time for an ad. What's up, creepers? Let me tell you about our newest sponsor, Simply Safe. Here's the thing about home security companies most trap you with high prices, tricky contracts, and lousy customer support. So while there are a lot of options out there, there's only one no brainer Simply Safe. You know, as a True Crime Guys listener, the world is scary out there. There's bad people, and there's one place you should feel safe, and that's at home in your sanctuary. That's why Simply Safe's got everything you need to protect your home with none of the drawbacks of traditional home security. It's got an arsenal of sensors and cameras to blanket every room, window, and door tailored specifically for your home. Professional monitoring keeps watch day and night, ready to send police, fire, or medical professionals if there's an emergency. You can set it up yourself in under an hour. Just peel and stick the sensors exactly where you need them. No technician required. And there's no contract, no pushy sales guys, no hidden fees, and no fine print. All of this starts at $15 a month, only $15 a month, to keep yourself safe and your family safe in your home. I'm not the only one who thinks Simply Safe is great. U.S. News and World Report named it, quote, best overall home security of 2020. And the best part is, if you head to simplysafe.com slash creeper, you get a free HD camera to get you started. That's simplysafe.com slash creeper. C-R-E-E-P-E-R. Make sure that they know that we sent you. The person, the perpetrator doing these things 
was in the home. When the family re-entered the home to seek out the source of the writing, they heard noises upstairs. Um, And the father basically ran upstairs, entered the bedroom um, of the girls, and when he opened the door, he immediately saw Danny LaPlante, or, I mean, he didn't know who Danny LaPlante was at the time, but he saw a teenage boy in all of his horrifying depravity dressed in Brian the father's dead wife's clothes. Um, This person, this teenage boy was wearing a dress. He was wearing makeup uh, that was smeared across his face and he was holding a hatchet. It just gives me the fucking creeps. Dude, he thought the girls were going to walk up in that room. You you imagine, my God. You are scarred for life if those girls walk in that room first. If you're not physically scarred because he then proceeds to chase the family around with this fucking hatchet. I think he was planning to harm people tonight on this night. I agree. You know, but because the father was there, the father was much bigger. And I mean, not, not that he didn't still succeed in, in uh, subduing that. Danny still was able to, this is where reports kind of vary because some just yeah. gloss over this and it's like the police show up and then they take him into custody. But then there's some sources that say that he proceeded to chase Brian and the daughters around the house, subdued them for a while, was walking around the house, and that's when they freed themselves and got out and called the police. And so, see, I found I, I found this as well, but I also found another telling of this section where it where when Brian walks into the room, Danny is surprised that it's not the girls, and he tries of to course. and he runs out and gets past Brian and runs down the house, and Brian is chasing him. Yeah, I, that seems the most likely to me. Yes, me too. Because he he didn't want to take on the dad. He if anything, no. he wanted to kill those girls. Mm-hmm. So he wants a weak. I mean, with people like this, they want power. They want uh, you know a defenseless victim. That's right. Someone who's scared of them, not yeah. a full grown man. That's right. And this who just, even you you have it. You give a teenage uh, like a fourteen, fifteen year old kid or whatever Danny was at the time, who's not a particularly big kid. He's not a, an athlete or anything. Like, you give him a hatchet. And you, he's in my house with my daughters. I take myself my the odds I'm gonna win over that kid, even yeah. if he has a hatchet. Yeah, even if he has a hatchet, you just you subdue that one arm that has the hatchet, and you go from there. I mean, yeah, unless he hits me in the face or the the neck with that hatchet, which I'm not gonna let happen, and he hits me anywhere else, he's still gonna die. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. still gonna strangle that little exactly. Fucker. And the body is more resilient than you think, especially yeah. with that and, much adrenaline. Exactly, adrenaline is a, a powerful thing. You don't feel the pain during right. something like that. So. That's right. Yeah. So that, yeah, I believe I, I believe that telling. Whatever, wherever you heard that, I, that seems the most likely to me that Danny was surprised that it was the father that mm-hmm. walked in and he tried to just get the hell out of there, and that's when the cops are called. And yeah, because I, I just don't see the father running in cowardice while this guy with a hatchet chases him and his daughters. That just don't make any sense. Mm-hmm. I, right. I just that just doesn't seem like that's what happens. I feel like you you try to encounter that guy right there by yourself, not anywhere near your daughters. Yeah. You know? But he did get so, away. Yeah. What for whatever happened, he did get away from Brian somehow. He got away and escaped. He got away, but of course he would return. Right, right, right. So yeah, the police are called. Um, Danny gets away. Um, however, he still had a trick, a trick or two up his sleeve. The police arrived on the scene quickly and searched the house. What they found inside was uh, distressing to say the least. They saw coins glued to the ceiling, writing on the walls, and even semen on the girls' clothing. Gugh. Oh, gross. Uh, the one thing they did not find was Danny LaPlante. The family was reluctant to return home as they stayed away for either days or weeks, depending on different accounts. When they finally did return, however, they saw the figure of Danny LaPlante one night standing in a window. The police were again, or were again called to search the house, and this time they actually found him. They found him hiding in the basement where he had set up shop, essentially. While searching the Andrews basement, one officer thought he saw something odd near the washing machine, or there was either a dresser dresser or a washing machine. I've also heard different accounts on that, but there was a large object intentionally pushed in front of what turned out to be a hole leading to a small crawl space between the walls. Mm -hmm. In that crawl crawl space was Danny LaPlante, kind of trying to still not go he didn't really want to go quietly he was still kind of trying to fight off the police but eventually they coaxed him out of the walls and arrested him um almost a year after that first fateful date that he had had with uh with the with the young young daughter of his family Mm -hmm. um inside the wall they found evidence that he had been in there for quite a while and it's determined that he had been living somewhat living part-time within these walls for two months they found a sleeping bag, food wrappers, and beer indicating that he'd been living in there on and off for a while. Um, so you imagine he's probably wow. away from his home as much as 
you know, the father, Brian, is away from his home. He's probably mainly every night, I can imagine, he's probably within the walls of this home. He was probably just staying there, man, eating their food. They were probably just blaming Mm -hmm. it on each other. Brian's like, there's my fucking beer. Ah, damn. Right. Right. It probably was Brian's beer. Let <laughs> right. me say that. Yeah. I mean, they was probably just taking stuff. I mean, if he was that brazen to walk around, he had time to write on the walls. Apparently, he had time to go get ketchup out of the kitchen. So, yeah. Um, no doubt. If he was in there, I'm sure he was taking everything he needed from them. Yep. And he knew when they'd be there and when they wouldn't. He was peeping on them through the walls. That's right. That's right. Yeah. He had Oof. like little holes um, in all mm-hmm. of the bedrooms. He could He could creep around the house. He knew where everyone was. Was listening to everything. Crazy, oh, terrifying. So at last, after the after the, um, him being arrested, the family was safe to return home. But this was not the end of Danny Laplante's um, horrifying story, um, because he was a juvenile and and he would end up getting released shortly thereafter. And I don't, I just feel like these are such bizarre and and kind of heinous heinous crimes that he was involved in that they didn't. They should have known that they were going to have a repeat offender on their hands here, and they should have put him through therapy and, and kept him locked away for a few years minimum well, to really evaluate his psyche at the very least. I mean, they already do have a repeat offender. That's what really aggravated yes. me about it. It's like, this is not this kid's first time being in trouble. Like, what are we doing here? Exactly. Like, He's just, been in and out, breaking in and out of people's homes for years yes, at this point. Everybody knew around. about it. What, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. It's like, just because he's a he's a minor... I mean, he's not going to do it when he gets older. I mean, he's barely a minor. What is he, like 17 at this time? Yeah. I mean, yep. damn. I don't know. Yeah, so even though uh, LaPlante's crimes were heinous, he was young and treated as a juvenile. Daniel was initially sent to the Department of Youth Services Detention Center, where he remained for a few months. Um, but because of his age and the fact that nobody was physically hurt, he was then barely. I mean, the dude had a hatchet. I know. And had the father not been the one to come in that room, what do you think happens? Yeah, it's not for lack of trying. That people weren't physically hurt. That's intent, man. Intent should be taken into consideration way more than it is uh, with offenses, in my opinion. He was then transferred to the Ayer District Court for processing in October of 1987, the month I was born. Um, He was then quickly bailed out by his mother, who vehemently believed in her son's innocence, um, and she came up with a $10,000 cash bond in order to free him. Um, he was due back in court in December of that year, but before he could be tried for his crimes against the Andrews family, Daniel would greatly escalate escalate his crimes into murder. So he's out, and he's not going to waste time getting right back to doing what he does. Right. And this time it would be a lot more serious consequences. Um, December 1st, 1987, a man by the name of Andrew Gustafson um, had some exciting work-related news to share with his wife. They also had two daughters, mm-hmm. um, and he'd been trying to contact his wife, who was at, supposed to be at home with her daughter with their daughters. Um, and he, she wasn't answering the phone when he'd call. He wanted to tell her, you know, like he either got a promotion or something along those lines, and he wanted to take her out that night. And she wasn't answering the phone, which is not like her because she was usually at home with the daughters during this time. Um, so when when Andrew Gustafson got home that evening, the house was eerily quiet. Upon entering his bedroom. He just tragically found his wife laying face down with a pillow over her head. She'd been shot multiple times in the head, and it was clear that she had been dead for at least a few hours. Mm. Um, I've heard reports that he then fled the house knowing. He said that he knew that uh, if his wife was in the state and the house was as quiet as it was, that his his children were gone. Um, so he didn't look or, for the children. He didn't want to see. He'd already seen his wife in that ma- in that fashion, and he didn't. He just couldn't. He couldn't see his kids in that, and I can understand. Dude, I I can understand that completely. I was I was putting myself in that situation, which is, I typically do. I don't know why I still do that. Well, after of course studying you do because it's this long. It's just human nature uh, yeah. to put yourself in those shoes. But it's I think it's uh, it's part it's of like being a good human torture. to put yourself in someone else's shoes, even if it's in a situation like this. It, it is, but. When I read that his his two daughters were in bathtubs, I was like, oh, my God. Just imagine going in there and finding them. It reminded me of the uh, Gary Green episode we did. Remember where he drowned the little girl in the bathtub and they they found her later? The brothers found her. Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine having to deal with that, man. You find your wife and your two daughters. I mean, like your whole family is gone. And it happened while you were away. Um, uh, I just don't know how. I don't know how you recover. Yeah, and and the, the, I mean the courts let this this fucker out within a matter of months, and and that's why this happened. 
Um, so yeah, tragically, as you kind of alluded to, his two youngest, uh, his two young children had been drowned in two different bathtubs in the home. The police would find them. Um, a short time later, a few towns over from Townsend, Daniel then kidnapped a woman in, in her car, um, though she was able to escape. LaPlante then was discovered hiding in a dumpster two days later. So, they, I mean, they, they, it was a manhunt for him, and they were able to find him in a dumpster two days later. I'm sure when he, uh, when he kidnapped that woman in her car, she gave a description, and they realized what they had let go, you know, what had just gotten out of jail and was now on the streets. That's and right. this, all this happened right when Daniel LaPlante got out. That's a good point. I didn't think about that lady in the car playing that big of a role, but that, it had to have because there were no witnesses mm-hmm. otherwise other than her. Yep. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's, yeah, because Danny, Danny LaPlante had no connection to the Gustafsons. It was right. just a random family home that he broke into and did these absolutely monstrous crimes in, you know. Right, right. So thank God that, that lady got away. Mm-hmm. So the police took him in and inspected his clothing. They found a hair on his sock that was a match for Abigail Gustafson, Priscilla's daughter. A year later, LaPlante was sentenced to three 15-year sentences to be served concurrently or consecutively for the murders of so 45 years for the Gustafsons. Um, it seems even light to fact, Still especially light. with him only being like 17 or 18 at the time, which means he, he, 45 years, he could still has a decent chance of getting out and not even being that old. Yeah, but I don't think it, I don't think, uh, he is going to though. There's some YouTube videos of some appeals and stuff and, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. uh, the family is there to make sure that he doesn't ever come out. Well, he's shown absolutely zero remorse. He, he's, I guess his attorneys hated him because he was laughing about everything all the time. Yeah, he's Never, a sociopath. And then in prison, he's just continued his awful behavior. Convert, he converted to Wicca, which I'm not saying that's awful behavior, but like continued his just cries for attention and, and wanting special treatment. So his whole reason for con- converting to Wicca, it seemed as though he could then uh, launch complaints against the legal system for. Uh, for not giving him access to the things he needs as That's someone right. in Wicca, That's exactly which would be dragon's it. blood, black opium, honeysuckle, in order to practice his spiritualism. So he's he's converting into these things just to get special treatment or at least to complain that he's not getting special treatment yeah, for his religious beliefs. Yeah, but here's the thing. To do something spiritually, you don't need anything. That's why you're doing it spiritually. Like You don't yeah, need exactly. anything, regardless of how you believe or what your religion is. If you uh, a maybe the Bible, so you can read it. But other than that, I mean, even then, I if mean, that's your if that's the religion you pick, yeah, I mean, I guess. But even then, you can still have a relationship with God. There's plenty of people who mm-hmm. are you know claim to be devout Christians, and I guess are by definition uh, that don't know shit about the Bible. You know, they right. have what they what they call a relationship. They communicate with God in whatever way they see fit. And he would be able to do the same thing and whatever gods he believes in, because I, I think the Wiccan culture believes in different gods, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, and and, and to to give some uh, some credit to what you're saying, other members of the faith have come forward within Wicca to say that he does not need these things in order to be a Wiccan, and uh, that they do not accept him as one of their own. That's so. right. <laughs> That's right. No, we don't. Uh, they were we like, no, bitch, you don't get to be a Wiccan. That's right. That's right. They they catch a lot of bad press. But what, well, yeah, a guy like Danny LaPlante who did these horrible crimes to children and stuff, like you, that's given Wicca a bad name, that's the fact right. that you joined that, because that's not what they're about, obviously. Exactly, exactly. So on March 22nd, 2017, a resentencing hearing for LaPlante was held at Middlesex Superior Court in Massachusetts. Uh, he asked for a reduction in his sentence. At the hearing, it was mentioned that during his first appeal, previous court rulings were cited saying that juveniles convicted of murder should be given a meaningful opportunity to re-engage with society. There was no. There was also a new law allowing quote juveniles conduct, convicted of murder with extreme cruelty and atrocity to ask for parole after they've been behind bars for a minimum of thirty years. The judge, however, gave Laplant a maximum penalty of forty-five years after the forensic psychologist evaluated Laplant and found that he was not remorseful for his crimes. So, in twenty seventeen, it had been. I think he had made it to that thirty-year mark. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. It would have been 87 to 2017. So yeah, he would have made it to that 30 year mark. And that's why he was trying to take advantage of this, this new law, um, allowing 30, you know, people who 30 years, kids, juveniles of 30, 30 years out from being able to apply for, right. um, but yeah, but th- th- his behavior throughout, um, it was just like showing no remorse. So he's, he's clearly not a changed person. No. Um, he's still gonna 
lash out in violence as soon as he gets out. If it's you like, give him how the could he be? You know, opinion, so. and he's been in prison. He's grown up in prison now. I mean, how is he going to be mm-hmm. better? I mean, let's be honest. Well, being who he is, I could. Say, some people choose to rehabilitate, rehabilitate themselves within prison. Not that prison is all that great at rehabilitating I was about anyone. To say, that's the only but way. What it does give do you is a lot of free time to evaluate yourself and and potentially rehabilitate yourself but yeah most don't do that so yeah you're right about that and they're not like you said they're not made the prisons aren't doing it for them yeah yeah so yeah hope that one creeped you out sufficiently for halloween season we've got a few more episodes before halloween hits so right we got to get we got to get these creepy ones in you know that's right just that image, though, of, of him standing there uh, in with in the, their mother's the dress, like with a hatchet, with, with the makeup smeared across his face. Uh, oh, you know that? You know it was terrifying. It's terrifying and yeah. creepy, all in one. Man, I just think like I'm like, man, I'm glad my the walls in my house aren't even thick enough for somebody to fit in. You know, I think about <laughs> I think yeah. about that all the time. Right? Yeah, definitely. It's good. <laughs> it's, it's not most homes are not built that way these days. Right. So. Right. That's right. Most most homes, newer homes, don't have walls that are that thick, or they don't have basements with with crawl spaces and whatnot. But although those are nice to have when you're doing repairs, plumbing, electrical, or whatever, but oh, creepy though to know that somebody could be in there living in these crawl spaces. Ugh. Yeah. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. I used to live yeah. in a house that had like it was kind of a, I guess it was kind of like a split level house. Like the front of the house looked small, but as you went down behind it, it went the it went like downhill, and mm-hmm. on the bottom you had a downstairs, and it had like a finished basement. But on the side of the house, um, because the top floor was because of the way it went down the hill, the top floor was so high up, you had almost like a full door for your crawl space, so you could open that door and go in underneath the house and there was tons of space under there that wasn't part of the finished basement and you could like walk around under there and be under the floor at any point of the house. Oh, that's creepy. So I always kept that thing like fucking padlock, padlock, the <laughs> padlocks were just padlocked. Just fill it with concrete. <laughs> like it was just everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I put shit in front of the door like it was Oh man, I was so paranoid about somebody getting up underneath the house and just being able to live there or or listen right. to us or, or stalk us or whatever because it was I mean we lived in the city too so it was there were people walking up and down the road all the time it was a fairly busy street it would have been fairly easy for somebody to come down and just be chilling up underneath our house but uh, never had any issues with it as far as I know so but still creepy though Good. Still, that house was built in like the 30s though so that there's that gives you some perspective had like the old uh Stucco plaster walls in it and shit. Like that house was old. Yeah. House was real old. Yeah. But. All right, man. Right on. So we should we talk some? Oh my Gaia would yeah. have made your crawl space crawl space smell a lot better. Yeah, it would. It would. It, it would absolutely. It would make you handle the stress of someone living in your crawl space a little bit better too. You know, while you're sitting there sweating bullets, exactly. wondering if someone's watching you. At least you'll smell good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'll smell good with Oh My Gaia. If you don't know what Oh My Gaia is, it's an innovative, all-natural deodorant, fragrance, and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness. At Oh My Gaia, they use only all-natural paraben and aluminum-free organic ingredients. And guys, I'm sure that Oh My Gaia has a scent that will work for you. There are tons to choose from, including vanilla, cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, Egyptian musk, coconut, dreamsicle, leather, lumberjack, honeysuckle, fireside. And we have our very own scent that I'm very proud of called True Crime Pine. I always keep a jar on hand. I love to mix True Crime Pine um, in and out of the rotation, as well as Egyptian musk. It's another one of my favorites. Um, But because you guys are True Crime Guys listeners, you can use the word creeper, C-R-E-E-P-E-R, and you can get 15% off your order. And that's at ohmygaia.com. O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A dot com or at shop underscore oh my Gaia on Instagram. Guys, you won't regret it. If you're thinking about going to a more natural deodorant, something that's better for your armpits, something that doesn't have aluminum in it, um, this is a great, great choice. Definitely want to also give, would oh be a great a choice for like a stocking stuffer if you for family members and That's whatnot right. with Christmas coming up. That's right. 
get in, get in now and just start stocking up on stuff to you know little gifts for people and that's right st- like i said st- it's a perfect size to go inside a, st- a stocking too so absolutely and the jars last a long time and they're glass jars uh, with these screw-on mm-hmm. plastic lids, they're reusable. You can use these jars for yep. all kinds of shit. We we keep all of ours. We use them for just yep. different things around the house. So they're they're very usable. They're very functional. It's you know it's good for the planet. It's good for your armpits. Um, I I can't I can't talk enough good about them. Oh my guy also has incense too, which I've been burning. I I actually still have a little bit of hint of one in the room here that I burnt earlier. It reminded me of it. Oh, they're awesome. The incense burn forever, and they smell amazing. So. Yep, guys, give it a shot. All right, all right. Um, it's all. We're actually recording a few days early today, so that we don't have as many reviews to cover. But I want to thank a few people. Next week we'll have you. We'll have more. We'll be able to catch up. But right. Uh, so I want to say thank you to John Gilbert in the U.S. Thank uh, you, who gives a five star review. Um, said finally get to leave a review again. iPhone broke, went cheap with an Android. Can't can't leave reviews on an Android. Um, so thanks, John, for. Now that you got your phone and you're ready to rock for going and reading and reviewing. Right on. Um, and Patsy730 in the U.S. said, Love this podcast. Lauren and Michael are excellent. Big please, big yes please to the Just the Banter on Patreon, which is a perfect segue into Patreon. It is. We just released a Just the Banter episode two uh, this morning at midnight yes, Eastern. We sure did. It t- today so it was actually released last night at 9 p.m. for those West Coast people. That's you right. got a little... Uh, Seems earlier, but it's oh, the yeah. same time regardless. <laughs> yeah, I know. Same time regardless. But yeah, you guys look for new episodes of Just the Banter every Friday on Patreon. So it'll be released uh, midnight East Coast time. What did we talk about in this this re- recent one, if you can refresh your oh memory? You just posted it. So. Oh, I, a little I did, bit of everything. Uh, a little bit of everything, man. We talked, about, we talked about some life, some current events, stuff that's going on. We talked about uh, street beefs. We talked about... <laughs> oh, yeah, street beefs. <laughs> we just talked about a lot of different stuff, man. It's kind of hard to keep up with it. You guys will have to check it out. We talked for Yeah, and in this one, I actually minutes. sat down on the mic instead of being at work, so the audio quality should have been on par with, with this episode right now. Oh, no, that 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 is not even out yet, man. We're still... Uh, oh, shit. Yeah, this is still one that we called. Uh, the first conversation that we had for it ended up being well over an hour, so I split them up. Uh, that was a little more than we wanted to do for just the banter. We want to do more somewhere around 20 to 30 minute segments, uh, which would be mm-hmm. perfect for you guys' ride to work and whatnot. So uh, the first conversation, at the volume one and two are actually the same conversation, and they split up. And volume two picks up right where volume one left off. So you guys can, I, I'm going to try my best to keep everything in chronological order. So as our conversations progress, uh, if I split a conversation, the next volume will pick it up right where it left off. Because this show is literally just the banter. We have an intro, sure. it comes in with us bantering, and then it just cuts off. <laughs> like, that's it. That's all you get for that banter, right? You got to tune in next week um, for the rest of that conversation. So that's Usually the best stuff is when we forget we're even recording we're just, and we just think yeah. we're talking to each other on the phone <laughs> is what it gets to. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That typically so. that's that typically is the explanation for ninety percent of our tangents on this podcast. It's for like, oh yeah, we're podcasting. Yep. Let's get back to this guy. Forgot about yep. that. <laughs> yeah, so you can find that on patreon.com slash true crime guys. They have an app as well, the Patreon app, if you mm-hmm. you know you want to just be keep it simple. Um, two bucks a month gets you access to all of our bonus or all of our um, exclusive episodes, our Patreon exclusives. Five dollars a month gets you the gold creep band sticker and access to just the banter. That's right. Um, and then you can go from ten dollars a month, you can, and a, a ten bucks you can have a conversation with us, which we're still trying to work that out. We've got a few people backlogged that we gotta we gotta figure out whether we're gonna do Zoom or what, but yeah. uh, we're gonna try and get that done. So I feel like Zoom would be the best thing that way we could all join in our own areas. Since you know, if, if you guys are un, unaware, me and Lorna are across the country from each other now, so we have to uh, we're gonna have to figure out some way where we can both be on it. And I think a Zoom meeting would be the best. I think the best option. Yeah, that'd be cool. And also, I think it would uh, people would it would take pressure off of um, the people who wanted to be in on the conversation. It'd be more like a hang with a, a group of people as opposed to like you're talking with Lorne and Michael. You better entertain. A, you know, I feel like a few times people like they're like, I don't know if I want to actually do it because it's a lot of pressure. I've got to. It's like a first date type it, of thing, you know? Yeah, and it's like a two on one type yeah, of deal, right? Exactly. Yeah, when we're when we're all in our own places and we're all on our own little screens. 
yeah. it feels it feels like an even playing field. It's like one on one on one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So okay. it could be us with like a group of ten dollars patrons that did just and hang out on Zoom. That'd be actually fun. Man, yeah, yeah. Maybe we could get like if two patrons knew each other or something. That would be that would be helpful. Yeah, we'll but, figure it out. Yeah. All right. So what else we Anything got? Else? What else we got to plug? All, all of our social media at True Crime Guys, yeah. Instagram, Twitter, Michael's other That's show, right. well, our other our other show but it's it's michael's baby that's strange right and strange unexplained. and unexplained strange and unexplained guys if you already caught up on true crime guys need some more true crime guys productions check out strange and unexplained wherever you listen um, new episodes drop every monday on strange and unexplained and lauren has his own little segment in there called the lauren synopsis at the end so basically what i do is i try to break down the case the best that i can give you guys all the all the juicy deets and whatnot the facts here and there and then i give my opinion Right, right at the end, and then you get to hear Lauren's opinion on the case. And he also he often brings in other angles, other perspectives as well. Uh, maybe he finds little articles and things here and there that helps that helps add to it. So overall, in the course of 30, 40 minutes, you get a really good uh, a really good grasp on a topic. It's because so you have you have both of us studying independently, just like we do for true crime guys. Um, yep. but it's, it's just a little more concentrated. So we, it's like, we, we're not talking together. We each get our own time to kind of explain what we think about the case and, you know, our, our standing about the case at the end, which is pretty cool. And also a lot, a lot of you don't know this. Uh, my wife helps a lot with this show as well. Um, if you guys are familiar with higher thoughts with Michael, my wife, Kristen was on there quite often with me. Um, she's an amazing conversationalist. She's a, a great writer and she also loves true crime as well. Um, she's kind of a behind the scenes person, always has been. So I'm, I'm kind of the mouth of our relationship, which is fine with me. Um, <laughs> it always has been that way. And yeah. she's content. She's with using that. you like a puppet, but she's, she's exactly. behind you. <laughs> exactly. But I, I'm totally cool with that. And, and she is too. And it works together. So when you're hearing these stories on SNU, you're actually getting three people's, uh, perspectives all mashed into one people, all three people who are studying independently about this topic. So, we, we try to bring you all the important stuff, the stuff that's backed up, not, not a bunch of mumbo-jumbo that is, that's bullshit, that's hearsay. Now, we, now we do have speculation parts, don't get me wrong, but those parts are clearly identified. So yep. what I'm getting at is a lot of work goes into Strange and Unexplained. So if you guys wouldn't mind, give it a shot, give it a listen, hit review, and then uh, if you really love the show and you want to support support it, we, uh, we have Patreon for that show as well, patreon.com slash podcast. And you'll get access to two other shows that I do independently on there. One called The Palette Cleanser and one called Strange Shorts. And those are released on a weekly basis. I'm still trying to iron out the schedule, but I do release one or the other every week. So there you have All it. Right. That's the there scale. you have it. Anything else to plug? Are we done? Uh, I think we're done. I uh, got some new merch coming soon, guys. So be on the lookout for that. New merch designs. I'll post them up on social media and stuff. Um, I'm working on a new store. So a new store, kind of like Redbubble, uh, but it's supposed to be a lot more user-friendly, um, a lot easier to navigate, and when you go to our store, you will stay on our store. I don't know if you guys have any experience with Redbubble, but it's frustrating as hell because let's say I send you a link to a shirt that's True Crime Guys, you click that link, and then you click a little button below it says, see other things in my size. It just shows you all the creators. It just shows you all the creators and stuff that's in that style of shirt or that design totally takes you away from our page, and it's super frustrating. I, I don't know why they do that. I mean, I don't know. I guess they're trying to get everyone equal exposure or whatever, but when someone follows a link to my page, I want them to stay there, right? I yeah, mean, and, they, and they're not looking to get crap. They're, they're looking to get your stuff. They're not looking to get you know some random person's stuff. Exactly, exactly. They made it, so, their, they made it there for a reason. Exactly. So Redbubble is very frustrating in that way. It's very hard to navigate. So this new site is is supposed to be a lot easier. It's supposed to be a lot more user friendly, and also the the um, prices are supposed to be cheaper. And hopefully, we will actually make more money um, as artists creating designs and creating uh, content. Because on Redbubble, I mean, it's it's robbery to be honest. I mean, we sell a twenty-five to thirty-dollar shirt, and we make two bucks. I mean, <laughs> it's bullshit. And, and it'd be great if we had used... the time to to print and, and ship them all ourselves and stuff. But yeah, we just yeah. We get, 
I don't have. I have a full time job with kids, and you got kids, and you got yeah. It's just all not the content reality. you're making, and we just yeah. It's it's a lot of lot of stuff that you have to do to do that. We'd almost have to hire someone, and then what would be the point? Right. Exactly. Not yeah. Not to mention the upfront cost of just getting these shirts up front, and then maybe you run out of a certain size. Now you're stuck with a bunch of odd sizes. There's mm-hmm. just so so many variables there. So we want to go through this third party, um, but we've been struggling trying to find one that is fair. That is, that is legit, and is that is worth our time and your time as listeners to go to and and support. So, so be on the lookout for that, guys. New new merch coming soon. New exciting things happening in TCG Productions, and um, yeah. So we we appreciate it, guys. Appreciate all the support. Love it. All right, guys. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, there's no more audio issues too within the the podcast app situation. I don't know what's going yeah. on because we listen to these episodes before we post them, and they're fine. And you we're doing exactly the same thing we've always done. Nothing's changed. And all of a sudden, people's apps are skipping our show around. So it's, it's weird, too, because it also just seems to be random a little bit. Yes, it is, very, it is very random. We'll have people that have issues on one app, and then two or three people will comment that use that exact same app and say it's fine. So yep. um, the inconsistencies are very aggravating. But I think it has something to do with the, the rise in podcasters in general. I mean, look at all the podcasts coming out nowadays. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. has a podcast. There's a new true crime podcast every day. Yeah. Um, and that's just in true crime. That's not talking about, that's not considering comedy or history or anything. And these other big categories that have tons of shows. Mm-hmm. And I think these, these players, these podcast players are getting overwhelmed with all the new RSS feeds being submitted constantly and, and all the content being out there. I just don't think they're, they're, suited for this i think there's going to be a big change in podcast players and uh and i think that's why spotify has really has really stepped into this game so strongly is they realize the potential and the growth that podcasting has shown over the last few years and um i spotify is my favorite i don't know and podcast addict i really do like podcast addict i talked about this on strange and unexplained uh, in the last episode about how yeah, and I started I, trying. I started to try one called Podcast App. It's just called Podcast yeah. App. It's a blue logo. Yeah, I love it. I've been using it this week just to test it out. I love it. I like the yeah. format of it. It's very simple. Like you know, when your new episodes are up, they put them in right. you know, sequential order. It's it's great. I haven't had any audio issues with it. So there's a lot That's of good options out there. If you're having trouble with our show on one app, just try a different one. It takes a minute to download it and download our show on there. Yeah. You know, so we, we do appreciate the continued support. If you're having audio issues, you know, stick with us. We're it's we're we swear, you know, it sounds like a cop out, but it's it's not our fault, man. Yeah. But we're we're seriously not doing anything different. Uh we're yep. still producing our show the same way we always have. Yeah. So all right, guys. All right. Keep creeping. We'll see you next week. Yep, keep creeping, guys. In the desert, we like a mirage It's okay if you clicked on us Cause you thought we was true crime garage Now we ain't mad at you Sit down, let us talk at you I'm talking to the creeper army We out here making murder True crime guys In the desert, we like a mirage It's okay if you clicked on us Cause you thought we was true crime garage Now we ain't mad at you Sit down, let us talk at you I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making better charming. Yeah.